Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. Great to be with you. Let's jump in and do some business tonight. Can we do that? Uh, I got a message in my heart that I want to share. It's it's in this series of Living Hope where we're wanting to realize that we're here than more just than for us. That God's got a plan and a purpose for each of us, and it involves reaching those who are lost and don't know Christ. Let me open up with a story. A story. December 7th. 1988, it's a while ago, hey, 1988, an earthquake devastated the northeast or the northwest section of Armenia, which is a country just north of Iraq, killing 25,000 people. It's a pretty devastating earthquake. In one small town just after the earthquake, a father rushed to his son's school, only to find the school had been flattened. There was no sign of life. But no one, sorry, no sign of life, but he had no thought of turning back. He had often told his son when he dropped him off at school, no matter what, I'll always be there for you when you need me. Though his prospects appeared hopeless, the father began feverishly removing rubble from where he believed his son's classroom had been. Other parents only wailed hopelessly. My son, my daughter, they screamed. Some told the father to go home. There was no chance of any survivors. To which he always responded, I made my son a promise that I'd be there for him when he needed me. I must continue to dig courageously. This dad worked alone. No one stepped in to help him. Most people actually told him to stop. No one volunteered. No one stood by him. He simply knew he had to go on. If my boy is alive or dead, with strength and endurance beyond him, he kept digging hour after hour. The faithful, loving father continued to dig for eight hours. Twelve hours. Twenty-four Hours he continued to dig without stopping. After an astonishing, think about this, 36 hours of non-stop digging. 36, he didn't stop, so he didn't sleep. He's going through the night. 36 hours. We, we can't even wait in line for five minutes. I mean, we, 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 36 hours. Think about that. Um, on the 38th hour, As he heaved away a piece of rubble, he heard some voices. Armand, Armand, he screamed. The the child responded, Dad, Dad, it's me. I told the other kids not to worry. I told them that if we were alive, you'd save us. And when you saved me, because you'd promised that you'd always be there. Moments later, the dad was helping his son, Armand, and 13 other frightened, hungry, thirsty boys and girls out of the debris, free at last. When the building collapsed, these children had been spared in a tent-like pocket. And when the townspeople praised Armand's dad, his explanation was, I promised my son, no matter what, I'd be there for you. Amazing story. 
of sacrifice and, uh, and, and success. And when we look at Scripture and we look at the heart of our Father, we too have been given a promise. And the promise was Jesus Christ who sacrificed everything to save that which is lost. And that's the heartbeat of the gospel. That that's the heartbeat of the Father. And he's gone beyond 38 hours. He's still looking thousands of years later. And everything in Scripture, everything the Bible does was to point towards Jesus so that Jesus could save the lost. But Jesus has called on us, his, his workers, to do the work of the digging and the reaching and the finding the lost. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. This is more of a message of God's heart, of who our God is as a father. Yet there's nothing he won't do to reach his sons and his daughters. And for us now, like a man's father who have been saved, what, what do we do with that? What's our responsibility? What, 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 what's our next steps in life? I, I know we've all got careers and we're dreaming of, of, of fulfilling the, the, the different desires and dreams that we have. And, you know, we've got jobs and we go through life and we've got responsibilities and we've got kids. And I get all that. But at the heartbeat of life, let us never miss the main point. And that is to seek and to save that which is lost. This morning, I told a parable about uh, having um, a sheep and a shepherd would leave the 99 to go after the one. That parable reminds us what matters to God. It's the one that matters. A parable shows us what God values. It echoes the heart of the Father that He will do anything for the lost. Yet so often, we can get consumed with the found. We, we, we can get all focused about those who are already saved. We, we can, as I said this morning, we're more comfortable with the 99 than we are seeking after the one. It's easy to get consumed with our problems, with our issues, uh, we, 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 you know, believing for our blessings. You know, we, it's easy to, to, to fall into that trap. And while it's healthy to seek God and grow and be discipled and, and, and work through our issues, and, and you've got to have a little bit of focus on yourself. I get that. But, but not at the expense of realizing what life's about, and that's the lost. And, and I think that's one of the big reasons I, I, I'm in ministry today I don't think there's a better way to reach people than through the local church. And if you told me there was a better way to reach the lost, I'd give up my job. I would, and I would do it. But I just believe the local church is the bride of Christ. It's on planet earth to reach and to save that which is lost. It also has a role to disciple and to help the found. But at the heartbeat, our God wants to seek those that are lost. Jesus says it another way. In Mark 2, 17, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but who? But the sick, right? I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now, the, the religious leaders didn't like this at all because they thought that the Messiah had come to, you know, serve them and help them and be a benefit for them. But he says, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the lost. And to me, this is such an emotional verse because when you realize that Jesus didn't come for the healthy, 
He came for the sick. It's hard to digest because we're not that important anymore. <laughs> he still loves us, right? We're still his kids. But what's he focused about? What's he concerned about? What's his eyes on? The prodigal son. All these parables in Scripture, the dad's looking. Still loves his son who's with him, but he's looking. Where is he looking? Down the road for the lost son. And, and this is kind of a bit of a wake-up call because it's a bit of a challenge for Christians when we realize we're, we're not the favorite anymore. You know, the, the father in the a story, the prodigal son, he had two boys, and, and, and the one kid was great and he was doing everything. Well, the other kid was a rat bag and took the money and squandered it and, and, and spent it. And, and whose dad love, who does the dad love? He loves both, right? But, but, but who's he looking towards? The lost. He'll spend eternity with the found, his focus is on the lost. And so often we get a bit self-consumed that life's about us, but the Father in heaven is saying, uh, uh, we're all about the lost, that Jesus didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. He came for the sick. When I started pastoring, I never forget it the first week I had started at church and I was walking out of my office outside onto the road to get to my car. And there was a guy coming along the road and I knew he was coming up to the church office. Now the problem is I had to be to a church meeting because that's what we do, we have meetings. I don't know why, but we spend all of our days in meetings. So I was off to a meeting. And I saw this guy coming, and you, you kind of get smart and wise when you do this for a while, and you kind of get to see someone who's needy, and you learn to either walk or turn the other way. Just being honest. Don't leave me hanging up there. You felt that a couple times. Here, here we go again. I don't want to listen to it. Here she goes. She's about to rant and rave. Or here he's going to tell me about his back problem or something. And, and if we're not careful, we, we can turn away from that stuff, right? So I turned away from this guy. Oh, man, I'm busy. I can't, you know, I got a thing. I got a meeting to go to with church people. <laughs> That's important, right? <laughs> crazy. So I, I headed off and then something inside me just said, hey, you got to stop. You got to go back and talk to that guy. And the problem is that's not the only time I felt that tugging in my heart. But most times I ignore it because I'm busy. <laughs> I'm important. I got to go to a meeting with the found. And so I, this occasion, thank God I went back and said, mate, what's going on? Can I help you? He said, actually, you can. Um, he says, I, I, I've come to a point where I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you lead me through a sinner's prayer? I'm like, well, well I guess. I mean, it's too easy. What's the catch? You know, are you wanting help with your rent? You know, you, you need some food. It can't be this simple, surely. And no, that's it, mate. That's it. You know, I, I know I, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Okay, so I, I let him through. And it was almost like God wanted to help me have that encounter, uh, that week one of my career as pastoring, to remind me, that's what we're here for. And we should never forget that and never get professional with our Christian walk and lose the point of reaching the lost. There's a beautiful story I'm going to share, and I'm going to give two practical steps for all of us 
to take with us tonight. So how, how do we help the lost? We, we can't, you know, start digging um, where there's earthquakes because it's not physical loss we're looking for. We're looking for the spiritual loss. So let me share this scripture. We'll unpack it, and then I'll, I'll give you two good tools to walk away from tonight. Are we good with that? All right, let's jump in. Mark 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in large numbers, so there was no room left, uh, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowering the mats the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Who's heard of this story in scripture before? Most of us have heard this. It's a beautiful story. I wanna unpack it a little bit tonight. It's interesting that before Jesus heals the guy, which he eventually does, he goes after the biggest need, which is spiritual need, which is forgiving his sins. That is the greatest miracle. That is the greatest responsibility that we all have as the found is to save those through Christ who are lost. And so I wanna talk about two thoughts of practically how we do this. Number one, you can write this down. We need to learn to bear some burdens. We need to learn to bear some burdens. You see, the first thing that I believe God calls of us, calls all of us to do who are followers of Christ is to bear some burdens, bear some burdens, take care of people who are in need or hurting. Why do I say that? Well, that's what happened in this story. Notice that he had four people that were taking care of him, that carried him on a stretcher, that took him to where Jesus was, that he didn't get there on his own, that someone brought him, that someone saw his need and, and they bore those burdens and they did something about it. Some men came bringing Jesus, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. The guy had four people who was carrying the burden. I, I like how uh, his mates uh, carried him and didn't quit when it got hard. Now, carrying someone's burdens or bearing someone's burdens is uncomfortable. It can be annoying. It can cost you financially. It can take you out of your routine. It can interrupt your life. It can affect your Netflix binging. You know, it can step into your world and can be difficult, can be expensive, can be painful. It would have been hard for these guys to carry Jesus. They weren't able to see Jesus because they were too busy carrying him. Isn't that interesting? They missed the conference because they were too busy bearing someone else's burden. <laughs> they physically served this guy by carrying. And, and you, you may say, well, I'm not really good at sharing my faith. People don't care how much you know. They wanna know how much you care. And when you bear someone's burdens, you're saying, I care about you. Suddenly you disarm them, they're opened up to hear what you have to say, but it starts with bearing someone's burdens. They wanna know, do you care about me? 
Uh, are you involved in my life? Too easy as Christians, you know, we, we have this uh, faith and, and this belief and, and, and we'll like run out and, and, and try and tell someone about Jesus and run back, you know, to the safety of, of camp or, or, or of church. But God is calling us to bear people's burdens. Uh, maybe you know an elderly person and you could mow their lawn. Maybe you could visit someone in hospital, buy someone a coffee, give a single mom a night off by babysitting, blessing someone who's out of work, bearing someone's burdens. Honestly, it's not hard to find how you can bear someone's burdens. Bearing someone's burdens is just helping someone out, basically. Mates helping mates. I love that about Australia. That's who we are, and we can forget that, and we can lose that in our pursuit of spiritualism, right, in our pursuit of the calling of God on our lives, we can actually miss the, the, the value of caring for people who don't know Christ. Or how about this? Caring for people where there's no benefit back to us. <laughs> caring for someone just because it's the right thing to do. Not caring for someone because what you can get out of it. And I love how our God is a God who cares for us and carries our burdens, and that's who our God is. So let me challenge you. Think about someone, someone who doesn't know Christ, family member, friend, someone at work. Just think about them right now. We often do this and we pray for them, but how about we step it up and we bear their burden this week? How about we buy a coffee for them? How about we, we uh, hey, can I help you out? Uh, how about we do something? And often we'll say things like this, oh, just let me know if you need help. No one's going to let you know if they need help. That's what that sign is saying, you suck and I don't care about you. <laughs> well, I'm just going to pray, I'll pray for you. No, you're not. You're not going to pray for them. And even if you do, do pray for them, but how about you actually help them out? How about you give them a bit of petrol money? Or how about you help them with their yard? Or how about you get involved in their life? Some of the best ways to bear someone's burden is ask someone who's close to them, what do they need? So you ask the parents, hey, how's, how's you know, Jim doing? Hey, what does he need? What's going on? Ask someone who's close to them. That's how you bear someone's burden. You get invested in their life. Next thing, you start caring about them. <laughs> Next thing, you start investing your time and energy into them. Next thing, you start bearing... Their burdens. That's what those four guys did. They bore the burdens of the paralyzed man. Number one, you're going to bear the burdens. Number two, this is my favorite one, but you can only do number two if you do number one, okay? So get number one done this week because number two is fun. Number one, bear some burdens. Number two, break some rules. Come on, we're going to break some religious rules. So since they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. They start ripping this roof apart above Jesus, digging through it, and then lowered the mat uh, with the man lying on it. So according to one commentary I studied, these roofs in these days were flat, and they were made of wooden beams about three feet apart. Then the roof was actually made of mud mixed with manure. And this was, a, 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 the manure kind of bonded and held everything together. It also acted as a fertilizer so grass could grow on top of the roof. In fact, often they would have little herb gardens on top of the roof. And, and it was a place that you could actually go 
and, 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 and sit on and, and, and take naps on and hang out on. And so that was a, an area that they would create above their roof. So the point is, sometimes you've got to dig through a little spiritual mm-mm to get somebody to Jesus. A little spiritual manure you got to dig through to get someone. Sometimes it's going to get messy. Sometimes it's difficult. Uh, sometimes you just got to dig through a little bit manure to get to where Jesus is. I, I love that these guys didn't take this obstacle as a sign that God was stopping them. God, I need a sign. Well, there's a closed door. Well, that must mean I can't go in, you know. Uh, no, to, to pay the price to do whatever it takes to see someone come to Christ. And I remember as a 15-year-old kid, when I got saved, I shared this morning one invitation to church, which is where Jesus was. Remember, Jesus is here. He's, 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 he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But Jesus is here because this is a place where we lead people to Jesus through our worship. It's what we're doing here. We're not having a social gathering. We're pointing everyone to Jesus. We open Scripture. We, 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 we lead people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. There's, there's, everything we do and say is about Jesus. And so bring people here. Bring them to church. Just like these four guys brought the paralyzed man to Jesus in that house. Today, it's no different. Bring them here. Bring them to church. This is where they'll get impacted by the presence and the love of God and the love of people. And so it was one invitation while I was surfing at Broadie where a guy asked me to come to church. And that one invitation, I came to church, everything changed. I was on fire for God, man. I just wanted to tell everyone. So I went back to my school and I was a pretty smart kid. Not, not that smart, but I, I took shop A and shop B. You have shop A and shop B? Metalwork, woodwork? And so I just thought they were easy. Well, that put me in the dummy class, right, with all the dummies and the riffraffs. And so I was kind of okay at school, but now I'm in this class, and they're just wild boys, man. And I wanted to get them all saved. And so I brought them to church, like, like 30 of them. I got them all to church. And it was just amazing. We filled up the two front rows. And someone had some, this is a long time ago. This is like 30 years ago. Someone handed out some bubble gum, hubba bubba. I think hubba bubba's still going, hey. Hubba bubba bubble gum. We didn't have all the flavors back then. We, we may have had one flavor, but still it was going good. And we passed it out and we're chomping away, blowing bubbles. Well, the senior pastor got up and he looked horrified that we would be chewing, chewing gum or bubblegum in the church. And uh, he said these words that, that broke my heart, and I'll never forget. And he said, those of you young people chewing bubblegum on the front row, you can either spit it out or leave. I'm like, mate, I've just brought all my mates to, to, to hear Jesus. So don't blow it. And so they looked at each other, they stood up and left. They didn't come back. I thought, we're... Mate, what are you doing? We're, 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 the church is for these people. And something inside of me said, God, if ever I get involved in church leadership, I'm going to make sure that everyone's welcome. I don't care about their lifestyle. I don't care about what they do, what they look like, what they wear, what they've done. I, 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 I don't give a rip. Why? Because Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy. That's ridiculous. 
ridiculous to think people have to clean their act up before they can come to church. That's why we've got church, is so that we can get saved. Then they'll clean their act up. And it just broke my heart. And, and sometimes we can't let these religious rules stop people from coming to Christ. And, 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 and we do it without knowing it. We, we have these language, this secret cult, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory. What does that mean? I don't know. You know we, we have this language, bless your brother. You know, and, and, and like, bless you. The average guy off the street doesn't speak that language. And so sometimes we can have some religious manure <laughs> that's stopping people from hearing Jesus. And we don't even know we do it. We, we, we may hang out with those 99 and we get a bit clicky and we forget that we're turning our backs on those that are hurting. So sometimes you've got to break some rules. Sometimes you've got to get a job as a bartender. Oh, that's a bit controversial, isn't it? You may have to go to a nightclub. Let me tell you, Jesus would be at the clubs. If there's no one saved here tonight, if everyone is saved, okay, and there's a good chance in most churches that everyone is saved, if that was the case and Jesus was walking on planet Earth, he wouldn't be here. Would he? He's here for the sick. And that's what made the Pharisees so crazy. Why aren't you coming to the temple when he's hanging out with the sinners at the parties? Because I want to go where the lost are. That's why as a church, we must always have lost people in our church. That's what we're here for, is to welcome them. Receive and stay lost as long as they want. We just want them here. We want them to be loved and appreciated and, and welcomed. And sometimes you've got to break some religious rules. I think for me, this is one of the most important things we do at INC is red frogs, honestly. And there has been so much controversy in the religious church movement about red frogs. Well, you're just helping those kids get drunk and you're encouraging them to drink and, you know, you're going to schoolies and uh, how could you go there and how could you support that? And, and so people have misunderstood the work of the froggers is to be where the lost people are. I love red frogs. I, I love that they're in the pubs and they're at schoolies and that's where we need to be. We're not scared of it. We're not running from it. We, we step into it. And I love how Red Frogs is such a part of your church because you're putting yourself where the need is greatest. And that's breaking some religious rules, let me tell you. Um, I, I love how Frogs breaks that mindset and says, you know what, we're, we're going to bear some burdens, we're going to clean some throw up, we're going to cook some pancakes, we're going to break some rules, we're going to make a difference and get in these kids' lives. That's success. When we recognize that Jesus didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. When we realize all sick need grace, they need the love of Jesus Christ. When we recognize who Jesus is and what he's done, and our only reasonable response is for us to give our lives to the cause, the greatest cause of all, that's to seek and to save which was lost. Jesus is the light of the world. And if us, as followers of Christ, have become the light of the world. 
And the light of the world can only be effective if it's shining in a dark place. (laughs) You don't need light where it's already illuminated. You need the light where it's dark. So we're called to go into the dark places. We're called to go. We're going to be smart about it. I get that. We need accountability and take people with you. But we are called not to help the healthy, but to help the sick. We're called not to hang in the light, but to go where it's dark. We're called to be the salt, to preserve, to stand up for what's right in the gospel and preach it. I see a church when we start to bear people's burdens, when we start to break some religious rules, that we start to find lost people and we love them, genuinely care about them. We have the heart of the Father on us. They're out there. They're not actually that hard to find. We just need to say hello. <laughs> we just need to look them in the eyes and, and care enough. We, we just need to focus some time and attention on them. I pray tonight that all of us will be challenged, that there are lost people in our lives and sometimes we walk right by them. Yet God is calling us to stop. He's calling us to bear some burdens. He's calling us to break some rules. He's calling us to take these people to Jesus. Father, we pray tonight that God, you would do a deep work in our heart. Lord, you would do a deep work in our church. I pray this message series that we're studying, Father, living hope, would help energize us and remind us what matters to you, God, is the lost. The reality is we were all lost once. The reality is Jesus came and found us. And because we've been saved, because we've been changed, we can now go and reach those who are hurting, who are lost, Don't underestimate what you have. And don't forget what others don't. You have Jesus, they don't. And the eternal consequences of heaven and hell hangs in the balance. I often think, what if that guy Rocky, his name was Rocky Campbell, Rocky Campbell. I often think, what if Rocky Campbell didn't invite me? And and I... I get challenged with this all the time because surfing is probably the most selfish sport you can have because you want to catch every wave for yourself. And, 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 and Rocky stopped and had a conversation with me. I remember it. And he reached out to me and made the effort. And I thought if Rocky had never done that, I may not be saved today. My, my kids wouldn't know Christ. I wouldn't have the privilege of serving at a church. I, I, I'd probably, who knows, I'd be divorced. I'd be addicted to something. I guarantee you, my personality, I'd be addicted to everything. I would be. I'd be in AA. I'd, I'd, I'd be in gamblers. And I'd be in every, I'd, I'd be, a, man, I, I, I got this compulsive, addictive personality. I'd be addicted. I'd be, I'd be probably killed right now. And I'm thinking, if it wasn't for Rocky, where would I be? Think about the person who was influential in your salvation, who invited you to church, maybe your parents. Think about if you were born to another set of parents who didn't go to church. Think if you were born in another country. 
Think if you were born where there wasn't religious freedom like we have. Think about that. How privileged are we? We have the greatest gift on planet earth, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we can take it for granted. Or what's worse, we can hang on to it and think it's ours. Man, we've got the best gift card of all. <laughs> we're going to start giving those things away. Father, I thank you for Rocky that reached out all those years ago. that 33 years ago, made an effort, invited me to church. person who uh, is saved here and the people who were instrumental in bringing them to Christ. They may not have carried them on a stretcher, but they may have drove them here in a car. <laughs> they may have picked them up. <laughs> they may have gone to their house. Think about that. I actually believe the Spirit of God would say this. I want you this week to reach out and thank that person that's been instrumental in your salvation and in your faith. I believe that paralyzed man, when he received Christ and got healed, the first ones he thanked, probably Christ, but the next one would have been those four buddies. I wonder when you think back at your salvation and you identify those people and you appreciate them, how much more value you'll have in what you've got. Think about that this week. Send a text, make a call, write a letter. Appreciate your parents if they brought you to church. Appreciate your uncle, your auntie. Appreciate your grandparents. Appreciate your friend. Appreciate a teacher, a coach, whoever it was in your life. And Father, I pray, what do we do now? What, what do we do now with this great gift of salvation? It's to give it to others, the Great Commission. Father, would you challenge us like never before to bring people to church? We're not bringing them to a building, we're bringing them to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is here, that's why we bring them to church. Father, I, I pray you would stir us to bear a burden, break some religious rules, whatever it takes. My mate Craig says, anything short of sin to see people come to Christ. We'll do anything short of sin, anything short of sin, anything short of sin to see people come to Christ. Anything short of sin to see people come to Christ.